I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Gang, listen, I want to start this Feel Good Friday off with this. I am having a fucking phenomenal week. I'm feeling very grateful. And um, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this out of, off my chest right away before we go any further into the episode. I'm definitely feeling grateful about the announcement about uh, Tricafta being submitted for approval by Vertex to Health Canada, but we're not going to talk about that this episode because not not even a little bit. Next week is like Tricafta. You got everyone's going to feel like they've been taken Tricafta after they listen to all of next week's episodes. <laughs> <clears throat> but wait, does that feel good for people who haven't who who don't need it? Like if I just started taking Tricafta, am I going to feel like uh, I, like I would say pro- really great? Yeah, I'd probably say no. But I don't. You know, like I a don't steroid. Know, actually like if know. I take it, will my lungs be like hundred and ten percent? Fuck. You know what? I don't know. What's, what's that? What's that movie where they take the pill and it just makes them like all jack, jacked uh, up? Matrix. Like superhuman. No, uh, no. The, limit, other, limitless. The other pill one. Limitless. Limitless. Yeah. 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 Limitless. Um, Bradley yeah. Cooper. <clears throat> yeah. You know, Jared, I want to go to. I, w- I would love to go to to clinic with you sometime and take all the tests that you take. Um, that, I just want to know. I think that would really lower my self esteem. <laughs> um, so, so I, I, so anyway, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really grateful about Tricafta and, uh, that's really great. And we're going to, we're going to take a deep fucking deep, deep, deep dive. I know there's a lot of people with CF listening right now, wondering what our thoughts are. We're going to take a deep dive next week into that, but you know, it's something else I'm really fucking grateful for guys. I'm so grateful for our, um, our Patreon community. We, mm. we've been, we've been doing the Patreon thing for like, <clears throat> I don't know, like four years now. And, um, and it took like, you know, it was this like slow process wow. of a uh, process of us trying to figure out what we wanted to do on there and, and how we wanted to, that, like that community to grow and, and Patreon, you know, like they, they've done a lot of really cool things in terms of like shifting the way that mm. the platform works. But one of the things that they did was they, they linked up with Discord, and if you if you're not familiar with Discord, it's like um, it's it's like a, a chat server that you can customize. So a lot of people use it for gaming, or a lot of people use it for like, um, you know, pe- like w- workplaces use it for like communication through their through like for you know for their employees or whatever. We so we use it on 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 Patreon to to gather. Uh, it's a gathering place for all of our patrons and us, me, Brian, Taylor, Lauren to engage with those people. And it's so like when we first started it on, on discord, it was like 
there was like five people, you know, and it was like kind of awkward. And then it, it just started, it, it like took a life of its own. And I was scrolling through it today, just seeing all of the different people that are on it. They're all, everyone's engaging with each other. Like we, we don't even, we're not, we're not, we're not like prompting them really. It's, they just, they all, it's like this community of people that just exist and are there like, you know, someone has like a, someone has like a, on, on discord chimes in and says like, Hey guys, I have this like doctor's appointment that I'm going to this weekend and I have a lot of anxiety about it. And the whole community rallies behind this person. They all start like adding their two cents and like, and, and, and giving like, like words of encouragement and sharing past stories that they had with similar experiences. And it's just like this really fucking beautiful thing. It's kind of like what you would, what I feel like the people that created social media companies like Facebook and Instagram hoped. Right, mm-hmm. right. They, they would, like, it would be. Right, like the, like the anti-social, uh, ne- what, was, what was the movie that just came out? The, the, that ever, the social, social dilemma. Yeah, they, they like, it's the, it's the anti-social dilemma. Like it, it truly is a place, yeah. a meeting place to really connect rather than this place mm-hmm. to like get fucking sucked into some sort of weird algorithm. Um, but here's the thing. The reason why I brought this up is, is, first of all, is to say, hey, everyone that's that is our patron, and everyone that was on our hangout last night, and everyone that's all of you, we we love you. We love this community that we've built here. Um, but I, the other thing that I wanted to throw right at the top of this was a letter that one of our patrons wrote into us. So on Patreon, we also have been uploading monthly video episodes where we're doing basically a host episode, but we're recording it all through the broadcasting platform that we've been using for our virtual live shows. And um, in our last month's episode, I was trying to get things, I was trying to find spooky, weird, gross, spooky stuff because it was October, right? And I found this crazy fucking video. And if you want to see it, you can go to patreon.com slash sickboy. It's this video of doctors opening up someone's guts and they're pulling out what looks like spaghetti. It's like they're pulling out just like tons and tons of linguine out of this, out of this person's like bowels. And it turns out what that is, is, is uh, it's called, it's called Ascaris lumbrosides. So it's, it's a, it's a, it was a parasite (sighs) infection. And this per- this patient had tons of these parasites just building, and like I, I'm I'm guessing they're squirming around. And man, I, I, Dude, I'm not that. squeamish at all. Oh, I'm I'm usually Same. I'm I'm usually not squeamish. Like I can handle looking at any of that gross stuff, like missing Jemmy, whatever. Like mm-hmm. I can handle that stuff. Same. But the moment you put that on the screen, I thought I was gonna throw up everywhere. It was very foul. very foul. hard to look at. <clears throat> Well, really, it made me. I also imagine. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, that was, that was. I was worse. imagining that was what it would everything. smell like. No, it, I bet you it <laughs> smells weird. Yeah, like not bad. Oh, when but it, whenever, weird. whenever I want to like trigger my gag reflex in a moment like that, I imagine what it would smell <laughs> like. <laughs> and it's that, almost as it's almost as bad as watching yes. the guy who who eats um, his poutine. Uh, let's not go there. That's uh, that is not this podcast. We're not talking about that. Uh, listen, so okay. so oh god, guys, please for the love of fuck. Um, uh, so, so anyway, we, 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 we show that on our, on our, on our October Patreon episode. And then we get a, we get a letter from one of our patrons and I want to read this letter to you guys. So this comes from Angel. 
Oh, no. I just became a patron and listened to your October episode, and it's crazy because I actually had Ascaris lombricides a few years ago. I have no idea where I got it. I'm Canadian. I was like 21 and started noticing my asthma was getting really bad. I was coughing constantly and really, sh- and really with really bad shortness of breath. I thought it was from, from smoking, LMAO. Then I lost like 50 pounds in six months. That's wild. I would eat like $50 worth of pizza delivery and lose weight the next day. During this time, I went to the doctor constantly because I thought I had cancer. My lymph nodes were swollen and, and sore, and I was coughing all the time and losing weight, always feeling fatigued and throwing up bile often. Finally, dude, I'm just saying... There was spoiler alert, and that was that you said that she had it right away. But just imagine how big those worms must have been if they were if they were eating fifty dollars worth of pizza. Dude, imagine, just imagine that. Yeah, right. You're feeding. You're just feeding them fifty dollars worth of pizza. Yes, you're feeding them. I, mean, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I guess you kind of are, right? Um, totally. She lost weight the next day. The worms were just eating that fifty dollars of pizza. What makes guys? That's this a is night the, This is the equivalent. Those are this is the equivalent. This is the equivalent of like a farm animal. It's like the human equivalent of a farm animal that animal that you realize has maggots. Yeah. Like in oh, its stomach. Guys, man, I wish it was it's I still wish it was October. So this is like this is just pure horror. I love it. Um uh it, go, it goes I mean, on. thank you for sharing. It, it goes on. But There's more. <clears throat> wow. Finally, I literally shat out a worm. I'm going to continue here. Freak. Oh, Oh, my God. Whoa. That was so genuine. That was for real. Oh, I hate that. Oh, dude, I I almost just threw up the stitches out of my mouth for my wisdom teeth. I was going to say, is there there like blood coming out of your mouth now? Oh, dude, I'm seeing stars. Okay, I'm gonna, gonna have to go back more. to the hospital. Let me finish. This. There's more, bro. Let me finish this letter. Uh, I don't want any more. Fin- Just let's skip to the next. Finally, part. I literally shout out a worm. Freaked the fuck out, and the doctor prescribed <laughs> me some anti-parasitic medication. After two doses, I was good to go. And now, years later, I've regained the weight, can breathe normally, and no longer dying of parasitic infection. Oh, the craziest part: <sighs> the day before I found my worm buddy, I ate a bunch of pumpkin seeds. Apparently, pumpkin seeds have been found to, to have an anti-parasitic effect in clinical trials. Pretty sure if I hadn't eaten those pumpkin seeds, I would still be worm-infested to this day. Winky face. Also, the number of worms inside you <laughs> is called worm burden. Isn't that disgusting? So, yes, that's my gross introduction yes. to being your patron. Anyway, so glad I joined. Love the podcast. Lol. Um, Whoa. Isn't that fucking wild? Thank you. Dude, thank you. Just thank imagine... You, Imagine, I think, I don't think that you guys actually thought closely enough of what that would be like to take a doo doo. Oh, no, no, And no. see dude. a little wriggler wriggling around in dude, your, in your face. The shitting isn't. Can you just imagine? No, that? no, no, no. The shitting's not the fucked up part. I think you're. It's seeing no, it for sure. No, that's not the fuck. I think you're missing the most fucked up part of this. What, fishing it's knowing it out that of the it's bowl? in there. Nope. It's knowing that it's in there. Nope. What do you do? Do you get a hook and a nope. rod? Dude, it's the most fucked up. Oh. Knowing that you're inside you no. for sure. The most fucked up part of this is the coughing. Think about that. There's so many worms uh, inside her. It's, they, it's uh, causing some sort of tickle <laughs> high, as, high up enough no, that she feels it, the urge to go. <coughs> <laughs> That's the most fucked up part, guys. Oh, oh. dude. Oh, dude. 
You know, I'm thinking of all the people walking around right now with um, this these worms in their body right now. So many and people. They're coughing, so many people. And everybody thinks that they've got COVID. Yeah. Taylor, I thought you were going to say, I'm thinking about all the people listening to this podcast episode right now eating. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> no. That's what I was thinking. I mean, any, I mean anybody who's I'm listening so to this podcast and eating, don't. You're I mean, yeah, you yeah. make your bet, yeah, you're a you know, <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. Um, uh, uh, look, let's let's switch it up here. Um, I God, I love this feel good Friday. This is good. Hey, speaking of good, uh, we are throwing to a really, really fucking radical conversation. I'm not going to say anything about it, but I'm telling you right now, this is one of the most this is a this is one of the most thought provoking conversations we've had in a while. It has to do with yeah. made. And it also has to do with dis, uh, with physical disabilities, and it is a really, really unique and 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 awesome recording. And I can't fucking wait to throw to this conversation a little bit later. I'm I'm not going to say anything about the episode, but it has to do with yeah. these things, yeah. well, <laughs> this thing and okay. this thing. Okay, okay. Anyway, so uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> but before we do throw to it, there's there's one thing that I really wanted to uh, talk to you guys about. So Tricafta was announced this the this this week, which is fucking huge. Um, fucking the the Cheeto Prince, uh, the 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 cheese it the cheese it dictator is fucking out, and uh, the old old skeleton oh. boy is in. That's that's fucking great news. And uh, here's some more here's some more great news. <clears throat> this is coming out of uh, CBC, uh, uh, by the Associated Press. Uh, Pfizer says early data indicates COVID nineteen vaccine is effective. That was announced. This week as well, which is huge. Company says shot may be up to 90% effective, but cautions study is ongoing. So this is really, really awesome news. Um, so I was, um, I, I've, I've looked into this quite a bit and, um, and I think, I can't remember if it was Kyle and I, or maybe Brian and I were having this conversation where, where we were asking like, what is the, what is the level at which a vaccine is seen as, as you know, good enough or effective enough to like treat large populations. And, right. and I was listening, I don't know if you guys listened to the episode of the daily this morning. Um, they, it was, it was on the vaccine and, and, uh, oh man, I'm trying to remember the guy's name that they were talking to. Cause he's a, he's a science, he's a science journalist and he'd be a, he'd be a good guy to, um, to look up. Um, but it was basically that, that, uh, 90% efficacy for a vaccine so the FDA had said that the minimum that they would that they would that they w- need to move ahead with a with a potential approval of a vaccine is fifty percent, and that ninety percent, fifty percent efficacy. I'm sorry, so like fifty percent of the people. I'm sorry, fifty percent is what is what the is what the media said. Fifty percent. No, no, no. What the FDA said that they would accept the F- as a high enough the, effective. The FDA, FDA. The FDA said this. The FDA said what? The media said what? <laughs> the media said Joe Biden's president. <laughs> 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 Wow. 
never hear that again. I, oh, man, I didn't. Uh, oh, I didn't hear the whole God. one. Your boy Kenneth. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you, Kenneth Copeland, and thank you for your COVID rant at the beginning of lockdown because it served us many, many oh, good laughs fuck, uh, as an intro song. <laughs> but anyway, the FDA. The FDA said that it, that the minimum the minimum efficacy rate that it wanted to see from a potential COVID vaccine was fifty percent. That's pretty. I mean, and, that's pretty wild that it, they say fifty, and this is. And they're and I early results. Well, because they were talking about 90 here, because that's that's amazing. The the reason is the reason is because they were they is because we and we've had this conversation on the podcast before that there was that even though we've been talking about a potential vaccine since the beginning of covid, Mm. it's always been up in the air whether a vaccine would even be possible in the first place. So like that was a a huge question mark, whether there would even ever be a vaccine. So 50 percent was what they would exp- what they the minimum that they would uh, would need to potentially approve a covid vaccine and that 90% puts it with the most the most effective vaccines that we have as a species mm-hmm. well maybe that's, that's enough to like, get can- to herd immunity you know like it have to be 100% to to get herd immunity going in large populations mm. it's interesting it would be it would yeah, be fun to get, a, get one of those vaccine yeah, specialists thing. back on to talk about what this potentially means. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, we have another shitstorm in the comments. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The the interesting thing is that, um, like, think of a world without a vaccine. Like, if we were never never able, like, till you're saying, like, the there was there was question marks in terms of like whether we would even be able to develop a vaccine, but. Like I, I, that, like that idea, is fucking terrifying. A world where we yeah. where we don't develop a successful vac- vaccine that's insanely terrifying. So the fact that like I mean this one in early I think trials, in the, I think in that, that case, ninety percent effective. Like that's pretty promising. I, I think in the case where there's no vaccine, it just runs. It just it runs its course in the same way that the Spanish flu ran its course. I mean, yeah. much more deadly, obviously, but like, but. But like, but that's, it tapers out. I don't know if you guys. I I remember telling you guys about this. There was like a there was a handful of of podcasts that um, radio. There was a, like a few episodes that Radiolab did. And I want to say it was like sometime in the summer. And there was one on the history of pandemics, and they went into um, nineteen eighteen, and that the nineteen eighteen Spanish flu is now just the flu. Like that's the flu we get. Mm-hmm. is the spanish really? flu i didn't know that yeah yeah huh yeah. and and like over time it's mutated a couple times and because because we live in a population that has been exposed to it for so long the flu to you know people between a certain age and of a certain like health standing is fairly you know just like you get sick and then you're not sick anymore um but our immune systems at the time and adapt as well right yes but but that's why we adapt to it because we've been exposed to it for so long and whereas right. You know, people our age and people who are healthy in 1918 through 1920 or 21 were dying from the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was and now it's and a, that's kind of so that would that's probably what would happen to COVID, you know, given enough time. I don't know how. Long, right. But. And that was kind of my point in like imagine a world where we don't develop a vaccine. Like <clears throat> I'm not saying that like 50 years from now we're still plagued by this, but like. But like in three years, if it kills like a third of the population because it just runs rampant and there's no way to slow it down or like alternatively, we're forced to face these like lockdowns and all these um, restrictions because of it, then that would be (laughs) fucking 
crazy and shitty <clears throat> world to live in. But hopefully, I'm optimistic about the vaccine. But well, <clears throat> here's yeah. here's I'm, a, I'm optimistic about a lot of things. So <laughs> here's an interesting world that we might might potentially be living in. Uh, let's say a vaccine does become reality and uh, it's effective enough. Fingers crossed. Uh, this is an article coming out of Pitchfork uh, by Eric Torres. Ticketmaster announces plan to check coronavirus vaccine statuses before concerts. Ticket buyers will be able to provide their COVID-19 vaccination status. In the wake of the news that a coronavirus vaccine with a 90% efficacy rate on an initial trial is in development from pharmaceutical company Pfizer, Ticketmaster has announced a plan to check concertgoers' vaccine statuses prior to attending concerts, Billboard reports. The proposed system involves using Ticketmaster's digital ticket app, which will collect information from third-party health information companies, such as IBM's Digital Health Pass or Clear Health Pass, and testing and vaccine distribution providers, such as LabCorp or the CVS Minute Clinic. Uh, or, I mean, maybe the, uh, the you know, the Bill Clinton uh, or, or uh, what's his name, Bill Gates... Um, uh, uh, follow you, follow you around. Put a chip in your in your brain, and and uh, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure Bill Gates hail, is up to something. Hail the overlord! What to do with this? <clears throat> you know, hail the overlord. <clears throat> the media said what? <laughs> the media Don't said let that run. Joe Don't Biden's president. Stop that from going to lose. We're going to lose downloads. Stop We have stolen a minute and a half of people's lives. The goal is to ensure safety by verifying fans' (laughs) vaccination statuses or whether they've tested negative for COVID-19 within a 24 to 72 hour window. Ticketmaster has also developed digital ticketing linked to ticket buyers' identities, such as such as well, identity. Jesus Christ, identities, as well as a smart event system to help enforce social distancing, delayed entry, and contact tracing. Event organizers will be able to set specific prevention protocols, including sanitation, mask compliance, and social distancing. The company has made it clear that any health information would be stored with third-party healthcare providers under HIPAA compliance and not with Ticketmaster. Um, super interesting, you know, like yeah. that's, that's really, yeah. really fascinating. I, I expect that from, I expect that from any company that's holding big events and I expect it from governments, uh, all over the world and airports mm-hmm. and yeah, I, 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 especially in the early days, I mean, I, I don't see, I don't see, I know that the, I know it raises a lot of questions and it raises a lot of, you know, potential concerns. And obviously we're in the age of privacy and data and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I see, uh, I see a lot of, a lot of different ways in which people will be requiring like a bracelet or yeah. whatever proof that you, but it's interesting. You it's vaccine. interesting though, because like you, you talk about how the Spanish flu was, was really intense and then like, you know, a handful of years later, we've developed this new, like, sort of not immunity to it, but our immune systems are able to manage it much, much better. 
And like, I can understand that as something that's a temporary practice, you know, it, with, with the height of this still going on um, later into 2021 for sure. But like, I think it should definitely be seen as a temporary fix and not something that is like, oh, this is going to be now how we, we do this indefinitely because, you know, like concert venues didn't do that with the flu shot before, even though like I could also partly understand like, you know, Jerry, like one of my biggest personal disappointments in myself was in a conversation that we had talking about the flu shot. And I was like, oh, I haven't gotten the flu shot. Mm. And you were like, really? You fucking piece of I shit. Got it. Because I got it two days ago. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. and good job, and Taylor. Like, Thanks, when, Taylor. When you Thank said you, that, man. I was Thanks like, a lot, dude. That actually you, means a lot, dude. Thank you so much, Taylor. That because you're. <laughs> I also got the Lauren. Flu shot. Yeah, Lauren. Thank I you, Lauren. I also got it last week. You, thank you, Lauren. You're a good I, friend. I, you're a good uh, friend, Taylor. You're a good friend. I'm booked to get I'm it. Getting mine tomorrow. I'm booked to get it tomorrow. Oh, I'm booked to get mine tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, it's a race. We'll see who gets it first, and whoever gets it first. Okay. Really cares about my health. So, but, but, but my point is, is like, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of now talking myself out of this idea that it shouldn't be an indefinite solution, but like, because I do see the value now in getting the flu shot though, you know, it's not like they were enforcing that with the flu. Wait, and what do you mean as an indefinite, what, what is this? Do you mean the, the bracelet so like, or like the proof or the vaccine itself as a solution? The proof, the proof of it. I think the uh, vaccine right. has to be like they're they're talking about the yeah. vaccine being possibly even a quarterly thing that you need to get. But but yeah. um, like that I'm, would, I'm talking specifically be, about the article that Jared was just reading about. Like, you know, mm-hmm. is it something that is going to be a temporary solution where Ticketmaster sets this up for like 2021, or is this like going forward forever? If you no, don't have the COVID vaccine, yeah, because COVID's well, gonna because because once of once once. Once a massive population of people are vaccinated, then the the, the COVID. I mean, again, I'm not an epidemiologist, so don't uh, you know? Don't quote me on this or say you know, t- Taylor. T- I mean, I don't think anybody's taking me that seriously. But if you but- want to take it seriously and you do want to uh, rip Taylor a new one, letters at sickboypodcast.com. Let us know your thoughts yeah. on yeah. how fucking exactly. gross science this shit is. Uh, we would love exactly. to read it. But it'll fade. It, it will fade into the background. I imagine, you, like it'll fade. So, like the strain of the strain and the disease will fade if, 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 like large you, mass, like massive swaths of the population are vaccinated against it. I mean, do you think? Do you, you think, you think about polio just, or TB and things like that? Like things that we've been able to vaccinate against. I mean, unless you get a bunch of fucking idiots that all of a sudden, you know, forty years from now, start believing that they don't need to get vaccinated. Or that the va- vaccination is gonna, you know, f- fucking give them some disease that isn't really associated with the vaccine yeah, at like all, autism like autism or something. The vaccine, like, like, like just, the vaccine, just pull, dummies. Just pulling something out of my head, like autism. You just know, pulling I, I something, know, whatever. Yeah, like unless that happens, you know, like it should be, I guess, in line with other, in line with other diseases that we've vaccinated against. It should, it but should I guess, fade. like, is I think, I think. Um, I think my ultimate question here is, is a move like this by Ticketmaster just like a private company playing their part to incentivize people to get vaccinated? Because like, really, it's a question of like, I I think like, I think one of the goals right now, um, you know, in in all the countries around the world is that when we do develop a vaccine that works, how are we going to convince people who don't trust that vaccine to get it? Right, and so the like, fact that we even have to company, have that conversation is I know, but we do have to have it. We do have. To I know because there's a lot know, of people that right. don't. What if? What, if, what about that, this? What if we had? What if we had? I don't want to. What right? if we had like, you know, agents 
um, plain closed agents driving around in unmarked <laughs> vans. And anyone who didn't, anyone who it doesn't believe in it or thinks that the vaccine is going to give them autism or whatever, um, we, you know, we, these agents, you know, roll up on them, open the door, mm-hmm. jump out, jump mm-hmm. the person, toss them in the back of the van. And then there's other agents in the van that hold them down and, 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 and give them, and back them, them in the neck. Will? They get them right in the neck and they just push it in. What, what, you want to set up a not-for-profit to do that? Yeah. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. That's a good initiative. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's that's it. solid. We'll call it, we'll call it, meals, we'll call it Meals on Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> you, we should you call know it what? Squeals on Wheels because people will be yelling I feel like in the back so, of the so, There's somebody listening to this right now. There's somebody, right now. A legal issue. There's somebody listening to this right now who, who's like, who's, you know, some like some old dude who's like, a, who lo- who's... Who, who loves hate in CBC. You know, he's like one of those, one of those longtime CBC haters. And he just heard, and he's an anti-vaxxer. And he just heard me say that on, on a CBC show. And his reaction was this. The media said what? The media said Joe Biden is president. This conversation. We're going to end it right here so you don't listen to any more of this. Ha, 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 Just quit. <laughs> she literally left. She literally just quit her job. Uh, listen, folks, we are so excited to throw this conversation your way. Uh, we speak to Dr. Heidi Jans. Uh, she is a professional who works in the world of disability ethics and end of life issues affecting people with disabilities. This, <clears throat> I got to say this. This conversation, I went into this conversation with. A un, not really knowing what to think about the the controversies surrounding end of life care when it came to the issues mm. that people living with disabilities felt like they were facing. I didn't I didn't get it. And Heidi Jans does a, a wonderful job of of just broadening our worldview on on the issues that 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 um, exist within the current legislature. Um, under under the umbrella of made, so uh, we highly highly suggest sticking around and listening to this conversation because it's a fucking it's amazing. Heidi Jans is great, and uh, I think you're gonna really enjoy this. So, without further ado, our conversation with Dr. Heidi Jans. Okay, we are sitting here with Dr. Heidi Jans, uh, who is uh, on the chair of the Ending of Life Ethics Committee, which is a part of the Canadian, the Council of Canadians with Disabilities, and also the adjunct professor at the University of Alberta, specializing in disability ethics. But we're also joined by uh, Dr. Heidi Jans's Echo, who is Tyler. And I, I have a feeling that there's some people listening right now who are thinking, what 
the fuck is an echo? And so, uh, <laughs> some, type of, some type of assistant, like some type of uh, like AI assistant. <laughs> well, not, not quite, not quite. Uh, Doctor Heidi, why don't you uh, why don't you explain to our listeners what what an echo is and and why why you have one? Yeah. Well, as you can hear. I speak with an accent. I have I have cerebral palsy. No, um, my preferred method of communication is to use my natural voice. And to have somebody repeat what I have said. No, I'm The term echo is different than the term interpreter. Because an interpreter involves. Translating something from one language to another language. Amazing. What, what are the? You said your preferred method of communication. What are the? What are the other options other than yeah. using uh, somebody to echo you? Technology. Um, Technology. For instance, when I give prepared lectures, uh, I usually do use a computer with some form of text-to-speech. Have you ever had... Sorry, uh, Dr. Heidi, have you ever had an echo that just doesn't get things right and just keeps fucking up what you're saying? <laughs> Tyler's now pointing at themselves. Actually, there's been a few times where I've had friends who have known me for quite a long time who in just ordinary conversation have 100% accuracy. But you take that person into a formal setting with an audience, <laughs> then they acquire multiple disabilities. <laughs> they become deaf and dumb. And dumb. <laughs> well, oh, I, man, that could I, be I really to, frustrating. Yeah, I, I have to say this is the first time. Uh, this is the first time we've had someone on the show who uses an echo and. Uh, I think it's going swimmingly um, uh, to cut to the chase of, of one of the big reasons why we have Dr. Heidi Jans on the show is 
Um, I, I guess I'll get right to it by saying, so earlier this year, um, MAID, which, is, uh, which stands for Medical Assistance in Dying, a topic that we have discussed at length on this show over time, um, earlier this year made sort of, there was an expansion to the, to the legislature there. Um, and when that happened, I, I remember, I vaguely remember, I don't know, quite know where this came in through. Brian, you have a better memory than me. You might recall, but I believe it was like maybe some tweets that came in from some of our listeners or maybe mm. some discussion on our Discord through, through all of our patrons about concerns in the, in the world of people living with disabilities um, about uh, 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 basically concerns surrounding made for people living with um, living with physical disabilities. And it was it was one of those things that I I I never quite I, I was always like I was always of the mindset of like, yeah, go yeah. made. There's nothing wrong with made like made is great. It I, was surprising like, for us because we're so like mm-hmm. I, I feel like the three of us are so pro made. And then all of a sudden we started to hear people speaking up about, oh, but like you guys need to look into the access for people with disabilities and what that actually looks like for them. And we had never thought of that before until yeah. it was brought up by, as you mentioned, Jared, our Patreon community. So, so then having said that, uh, Dr. Dr. Jans, what, what dangers does the widening of made pose for people who live with disabilities? What, what does that look like? Well, <laughs> Well, in the first place, as you mentioned, maid is often presented as as an issue of choice. And everybody should have Freedom to exercise autonomy over their own lives. Over their own lives. I see two main problems with this. From a disability rights perspective. The first problem is autonomy. Autonomy mm. is really a load of BS. I mean, COVID has brought this out. I It's inescapable. <coughs> No human being. No human being <laughs> exists in their own bubble. Hmm. We're all interdependent. No human being. We have tabs, which means temporarily abled bodied people. Mm. Who are advocating for a Well, if I get to the point where I need somebody to wave my butt. I, I, 
My life is over. My life is over at that point. Nobody and nobody seems to think of the implications that has for people like me. I've always needed help waving my butt. So that's the first one. The second one. The The choice to die can't be considered a choice for people with disabilities. Who don't, for people with disabilities who don't have a choice of where, with whom, with whom they live, uh, how they live, and how they live. So to say you can now end your life, and you're not equal. That makes you equal. Oh, and that makes you equal. Again, it's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Ahead, I'm, I'm curious how. So obviously, there was the legislation, as Jeremy mentioned, changed um, earlier this year, and or the yeah earlier this year, and and I'm I'm curious how the new legislation you you mentioned autonomy, and that that you don't have autonomy as somebody who lives with a disability, but how does the new legislation like what what risk does this pose on the population of people living with disabilities? Well, under the old legislation. It was limited to people whose death was, quote, reasonably foreseeable. That term has always been problematic. But, But at least it put some kind of parameters around it. With this expansion, it's open to anyone. Experiencing some kind of suffering. Nope. Intolerable suffering. And the other big problem with the proposed new law 
It gets rid of... It gets rid of most of the safeguards. Which is in the original legislation. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Does it, does it, um, is, is an, is a concerning aspect of this also? Here, hold on, it, Tay. Hold on. Sure. Her, uh, Dr. <clears throat> Heidi's headphones fell off. We're going to, we're going to reset there. Echo get, stepping in. Good job, <laughs> Tyler. Thank you. When is there is there a concern is there a concern here with with how the new legislation is um, is worded that this is opening doors like when you say it's it becomes so it, it's so broadly um, available with the new language in the legislation that it's opening the door for you know when I think about legislation any legislation. That's that's um, that gets put into uh, that gets put into law. I think of, I think of not the not just the immediate ramifications that that has for whatever it's probably speaking to, because it's probably speaking to something that's that mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed now. But I'm thinking about the things that it opens the door for 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Is there an opening of the door with the, this new legislation that um, down the road, say 10, 15, 20 years from now? It could be that anybody is walking into a hospital and saying, "Hey, I I just want I just want it to end," and and with with really with with not much um, with with really just that feeling that they have maybe there's not a pre existing condition of any sort or or, or an, uh, what was it what was the term intolerable or foreseeable. Intolerable suffering. Intolerable suffering, but there's not. That's not really. That's not really present, or it's at least not not diagnosed. But then it it gives access to anybody, maybe to walk in and say, "Hey, I'd like access to maid," and and that's that. I'm even today. Even today. I I guarantee you. I guarantee you. If I rolled into an ER, I can't take my life anymore. I want to die. With very little investigation. That would be enough to get the ball rolling. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I I, I get so you know that 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 all makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and and actually is something that I've never really considered or really thought about. Um, in terms of like suicide prevention, suicide prevention intervention, like how does that differ for people? 
who live with disabilities compared to people who are able-bodied? There's a great cartoon that I wish I could show you. On the website of the it's on a, the website of the Canadian group, Not Dead Yet. It pictures a building on one side. On one side. Assistance in death. And there's a ramp. On the other side. On the other side. There's suicide prevention. And there's stairs. And I think that perfectly illustrates the reality. The the reality that we're facing right now. Mm. <clears throat> Do you <clears throat> having having said all this? What what kinds of what kinds of um, <clears throat> what kinds of changes to the legislation would would you like to see, or would make you feel um, more at ease with what like with the current situation that we find ourselves in now? <clears throat> From my perspective, I think, I think Mage should be limited to. I think Mage should be limited to. For people with conditions that are terminal. In the short term, like six months to a year. I know that's problematic. Because it's almost impossible sometimes to predict these types of things. But if the law goes through, as it is, I see a very bleak future. Mm-hmm. It's it's so challenging because it's because from from one side I from one side I I understand I understand the the desire for. I desire for I understand the desire to to when 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 um you know a certain um group of people might say hey like we're not we're not represented in this in this language that mm. in the way that this law exists and and that needs to change and then and then you've got and then there might be another group that's saying hey we're not in there we don't feel represented in that group either and we want to be involved and um or 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 feel like we're represented there as well like we've had we one of the one of the things that's come up a lot for us is is 
um, in conversation is access to made for people with, um, with mental health issues and, and how, you know, you know, a mental health, um, you know, a, a mental illness that is, that's, that, you know, one of its cornerstone symptoms is thoughts of suicide that you would might be able to go in and, and request made and receive it, even though it is a symptom of the, the illness, um, at hand and how, you know, and, and, and some advocates on one side, I heard some really compelling arguments from somebody who's a, who's a mental health, mental illness advocate, um, you know, talking about the, the, being in the, in states of clarity and, and not wanting to go back ever and in back into that state of suffering, for example, and why it should be, mm. why they should have access to me. Then I've also heard really compelling arguments on the flip side to not have um, mental illness included in that. When, when legislation is being written and from your, from your, um, from your, from where you sit in your, in your expertise on ethics, how does, how 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 does how does legislators go about balancing this Ooh. like immensely complex situation? It's very difficult. I think. The best that Canadian legislations can do, can do can really see to balance. Seek, seek. Mm. There's a K in there. <laughs> seek autonomy. Balance autonomy. Mm-hmm. With equality. It's not going to make yeah. everybody on either side happy. But to me, that seems to be the most responsible way. Mm-hmm. I can see, I can see the the challenge too, and I, and I even think of Taylor mentioned people who live with um, mental illness, but we've also had past guests who have um, terminal brain cancer, and there's uh, sometimes a I believe like there's a you have to be terminal enough, but not losing your cognitive ability so that you can make the decision con- consciously to to end your life. And so it's it's funny because anecdotally there's there's people on that side that wanted to um, the the legislation to be more broad, but then when you do that at the same time you have to realize that you're putting this a group of people who live with disabilities in a vulnerable place where just because you're granting access now to make it more accessible to another group, you're actually um, creating this vulnerability in another community where all mm. of a sudden all of these other people are opened up to the possibility of, you know, like, like you said, that, that cartoon that you highlighted depicts it in the perfect way. You're making suicide in a sense accessible. And mm. there's that challenge. 
Accessible. And not just accessible, but acceptable. Oh, oh, I right. don't know if you have seen new stories. I don't know if you guys have seen the new stories <laughs> recently. Out of Ontario. Out of Ontario. About people with disabilities. People with disabilities. Applying for maids. Applying for maids. Because their income. income support has been cut. So they literally can't afford to live, so they're trying to find a way of how to die. Oh, fuck, yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, that is, that is, uh, yeah, that's, I haven't seen those stories, but that is, no. that is incredibly problematic. Yeah. You know, it's like base, and, and especially in that situation where you're, you're, you are really going, hey, this, this government, this this government support has disappeared financially. So now I'm going to, and so now I'm going to choose to take mm. this other government, yeah, quote yeah. unquote support, mm. you know, quote unquote support Dude. to 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 end, Dude. yeah, and and Dude. and that's uh, yeah, that is uh, I yeah I do see I, I do see a, but, a a huge problem there. Like the the thing that blows my mind about that is that like our I guess I'm I'm curious like it, people so I haven't read that news article and I and I'm curious to go and look at it up now but are like would those type of people under the current legislation you think they would actually get approved with the way things are now? Yep. And yes, they and they are. And Oh, wow. And even, this is even before the new legislation is coming in. Right. So I think you can see the potential for problems Mm -hmm. to arise from Mm -hmm. this. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, like I... Man, what a just what a what a challenging and and just I, I, the thought is overwhelming. Like the, the the you know the idea that you work within the ethics of ending uh, end of life and the ethics that come with that because it it is such a it is such a complex issue. Like it is so beyond complex, beyond beyond beyond. Um, <clears throat> What's interesting is that for me, for my day job, for my day job, I work in as I work in an ethics center. With the more traditional, bioethics people. And they know me now, so they know. What to expect, but when I first started, first started, and raised some of these issues. 
They were like deer in headlights. Yeah, right. Yeah. It never entered their minds. And that becomes problematic. Is when doctors are making these decisions, they come with their own ideas of they come along with their own ideas of what it must be like to live with disabilities. Yeah, you 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 think of like what you just said there. I mean, it, it seems like a, it's it it kind of highlights the 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 classic case of you you don't know until you know. You you sort of put this out there, and then somebody comes and says, "Hey, but what about this?" And you go, "Oh my god, I never thought about it like that." And you see it in a mm-hmm. different way. But um, to what you were saying just uh, before that, Jer was um, just made me think of like how just like the 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 layers and the complexity of this in the sense that we are trying to put legal language around the most existential yeah the biggest yeah. existential yeah. crises that any species could possibly faces yeah and yeah. and it's something that we've thought about and pondered on for thousands of years thousands mm. and thousands and thousands of years we're as far as we know the only species that even knows that the that death is coming at some point Ooh. and we have to try and put legal language around <laughs> making That's it accessible so, like it's it's that it, is bonkers the task you know, is, it's, it's is, so it's so bonkers yeah. I, I, I mean this is this is a perfect segue uh into we have a we have a, we had a question that came in from one of our patrons um uh her name is Heather and she she has this question specifically for you Dr Dr uh, Jans um what ethical considerations and emotional considerations do providers need to take into account for themselves when working with those considering MAID? Wow. Wow. Well, to be you as a provider. As a provider, you will need. You really need Because of their disabilities. 
Therefore, they're eligible for maid. But that doesn't go into. Okay, but what's causing their suffering? Are they in distress because? They can only get their brief changed every three hours? Or are they suffering because they're going through a family issue? Or because they don't want to be a burden? But there's no real mechanism right now. So for that kind of suffering, for those kinds of issues, to be really investigated. So I think that's where we need to start. Mm -hmm. It's hard because it feels like it feels like now that I think of it, it's like almost like every single situation where somebody would access medical assistance and dying seems unique and like it it would have to be reviewed in depth on an individual case by case basis for for it to even, you know, possibly make sense. It just, it's so. I mean, it should. It's. Mm-hmm. it's I think it's so the least that the medical system could do when you're considering the most, one of you know the 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 something that the, the thing that carries the most weight possible death. I mean, you know, the least it could do is is eval is evaluate is is not treat you as a as a statistical average and and look at you as the you know in the complexity that you embody as an as an individual it's funny i think of i think of like my experience with um going to therapy in the last few months and how like there are things that affect my life that i don't even know about because i haven't even explored them so like i start to go through these one hour sessions where i figure out oh why do i do this thing the way that i do it oh it's because of this thing that happened to me when i was like 12 years old and and like that type of like research and understanding of like what's causing dis-ease in your life um if 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 somebody's not taking those things into account when you walk into an office and go hey i want to end my life because it's fucking hard Mm -hmm. um if they're not thinking about all of these other things or understanding why you might be coming in to do that then how can they possibly evaluate whether or not you should actually be there to end your life or not bless you bless you how familiar are you guys How familiar are you guys with the Quebec case? With uh, Jean Truchon and Michel Gladou? Yes, that case that I can't say the name of. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I know that's why you called it the Quebec case. I appreciate it. <laughs> With the Michelle, was it Michelle who has CP as well? Jean. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 
Disability rights um, perspective. Mm. Well, I really, well, I was really struck by what I was really struck by in reading the statements of Glenn was. It was so clear to me that his suffering was caused by having more and more Having more and more of his control over his life stripped away from him it was presented as being being caused by his disability but in my view and most disability rights advocates that is suffering was because of a lack of supports available that could have enabled him to to maintain his autonomy in living. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to ask before we um, um, before you leave you, leave you here, Doctor Jans. It, now you are you know, you know no one. No one, uh, you know, elevates themselves to to uh, you know having um, uh, uh, a dr before their name without um, without passion in um, in the thing in the field of, of study that you're in, and um, and and so obviously that's that's been something that um, has 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 come throughout your life the passion for the things that you study for your, for your field of expertise. Um, We've talked to we've talked to a lot of people with um, that live with disabilities across you know a, a pretty wide a pretty wide range and I'm trying to kind of formulate this question in my head in a way that's like where what are the types of things that people who live with disabilities and who have um, or feel like they have um, uh, not as much autonomy over their lives as they as they as they want and that they deserve um, is there anything that that you can point to that says like here these are some these are some things that you might be able to do to in order to to find the things that you are passionate about that um because i find passion being passionate about something is is a is a key medicine in alleviating suffering oh, yeah. and and um i'd like to know 
I'd like to know if you have any, if you, if you have any thoughts on that and be able to speak to that. Wow. Um, I think that the first thing that I would say don't be scared to look outside your box for your passion. Um, Boxes are for dead people, and we're not dead. <laughs> I like that. Yet. <laughs> that ever should have been one of the names of my documentaries. <laughs> Anyways. Um... <laughs> Try to broaden your world as much as possible. Um, I know that can be challenging. But I know that I wouldn't be where I am. But I know that I wouldn't be where I am now. If I didn't have a series of amazing people come into my life, with whom I was able to build relationships with, who then helped support me in various ways. Don't be afraid to be you. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't help but notice and to in contrast, like one of the things that is most striking of this conversation to me is uh, Dr. Jens, you talking about being on that committee and and being in a room where where people didn't even consider mm-hmm. the the, mm-hmm. the impact that this has on the community of people living with disabilities. And it the the thing that strikes me is like we just need as people who don't live with disabilities, we need to be more conscientious of people who do. And mm. Um, it's, it's funny. It reminds me of this comment that somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about disability and they were saying that it's a bit of a misnomer because it's not that people are, are disabled. It's that the world isn't built for them. And in a lot of cases, and, and they said like, if we woke up tomorrow and everybody who didn't have a disability could all of a sudden fly except for you (laughs) and you were the only person that couldn't fly, you would be fine because People would fly to school or fly to work and you would get on in your car and drive and you'd take the road because the world was built for people as as they are today. You wouldn't be considered disabled in that world. Everybody would just have an elevated ability to you. They could fly, but the world is still built for you. So functionally, you would be okay. And so if we can build a world that is more considered of people who are living, quote unquote, now with disabilities then we we wouldn't have people who were disabled. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. 
This has been, um, I got to say, this has been just a, an absolute honor and a treat to be able to sit down and, and spend the afternoon speaking with you, Dr. Heidi Jans. Um, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day to, to, uh, to chat with us and to clarify some things that I think a lot of people need to uh, put a bit of thought into and, and, and you know, for, for a lot of us haven't, haven't even considered. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for that. Thank you. It's been great speaking with you. You guys are a hoot. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to say thank you to you too, Tyler. Uh, This is it was. Thank you so much for being there and helping us uh, helping us navigate this conversation. Can, Can I, Tyler? Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Uh, how did how do you how does one end up becoming an uh, an echo to to Doctor Jan? <laughs> well, there's multiple levels to that. Um, I've known Heidi since I was about four. I acquired. She she acquired me. <laughs> she she um she collected me when I was four. She, when I was four, I was a weird little kid and Heidi was weird. And I basically went, you're weird. I like you. Attack. (laughs) Mine. And she became my mentor. She put me, she helped me get through college to become a healthcare aide. Wow. And I've been working for Heidi for four years officially as her healthcare aide, but I've been in training to be her, her healthcare aide since I was about six. Wow. I've been able to feed Heidi since I was about seven. Wow, um, that's awesome. Um, I've been able to understand Heidi since I was about Whoa. four. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, I mean, you with know. my family, I'm her I'm her echo as well. Mm. Mm. I know my family has become too lazy. It's kind of an issue. <laughs> well, I mean, Heidi, like like you said earlier about having, you know, having a really, a really loving and an effective support system around you and really special people around you. This, it's very obvious that Tyler is one of those people. And so I'm, I'm honored that you were able to take the time to sit down with us to do today too, Tyler. So thank you for that. No problem. I'd rather I be her echo than somebody that, makes up some words and sure, it, they're yeah. not necessarily the nicest words. <laughs> sure, right, yeah. <laughs> I did not ask for your sass. <laughs> this is really okay, great. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Thank you so much. This was really wonderful. Thank you. No, no, thank you. Just, just do me a favor. Make me not sound like a twelve-year-old, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can do our best. <laughs> Put a disclaimer. <laughs> that Heidi isn't into child labor. I am over the age of twenty. I just sound like a child. Oh, that's thank you for the clarification. We were going to uh, submit a. Uh, we're going to submit a, uh, a complaint. <laughs> Human rights that's violation. So good. <laughs> Thanks. There we go. How about that? How fucking cool is it that we spoke to someone with an echo? I think there's just there's just I mean that was all that was very cool and what I what I found you know besides the fascinating conversation that we had 
with Heidi about Maid and about the ethics of everything that goes into, into that. I don't know if you guys noticed, and and those of you who are listening, if you noticed as you listened, how quickly you began, like you begin to to really be able to hear Heidi and 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 I felt like by the end of the conversation, I was able to to understand Heidi like pretty clearly mm. by the end of mm. a very short conversation mm. and how and how you might think that that would be very challenging or, or, or impossible to do. And then, and you know, within 20 minutes you're going, Oh, this is, this is completely different than what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did yeah. you guys find that? Did you guys find that yeah. by the end of the conversation, it was like, you know, obviously uh, having an echo there, like Tyler's is, is awesome yeah, uh, uh, and super helpful. And she does an amazing job, super helpful, but, yeah. but like, but being able to gradually be able to understand Heidi better and better through just a short conversation was fascinating. Yeah. It was fascinating on its mm-hmm. own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even like the, I, I totally agree with you there. I also like, I was totally, in, um, I was really impressed with Tyler's ability to, um, like understand what uh, Heidi was saying at, at the beginning. But the thing that I was sort of like, the thing that I was seeing at first was like, man, how frustrating would it be trying to like, like having this idea in your head. It's funny because it's something that I talk about at therapy all the time is like having a comprehensive idea in your head and trying to articulate it with like a, the limited bandwidth of language. Mm. So like you have this like very <laughs> complex idea that you're seeing from all these different angles in real time in your head and then you have to say them with words. But then imagine if your words are even limited by the way that somebody else interprets them mm-hmm. and it's hard for you to speak. Man, mm-hmm. like I, I just have like so much like, you know, yeah, admiration, I guess, for for her ability to, you know. Also, and then on to take and then, on such and then scholarly in, work and doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in, reg- in regards to the conversation in the in the in the content of the conversation we had with Heidi, like just realizing, and this is something I, I pick up in, in a couple of, I've picked up a couple of different times in some documentaries that I've seen is how, how, how wonderfully objective ethicists are mm. and how, how they see the world and how they see situations and circumstances take shape mm. because, because m- my like underlying goal in life, if I had to boil it down, would probably be to view the world as objectively as I possibly can in every situation possible. Mm. And ethicists just have such an incredible way of doing that and points precisely to the way that we were talking with Heidi and she pointed out, she pointed out things in made and how it relates to people with disability mm. that we've never thought of. Yeah. Yeah. And when you take, but, but as soon as, as soon as she mentions it and you take that step back, you go, Oh, of course, yeah. of course you have to con- take this into consideration. Yeah. yeah. This was uh, I, I, this was a conversation we recorded this a while ago and I'm, I was, I was really, really excited to get this out. So I'm glad that we put it out to the world and, uh, and uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, 
um, uh, let us know. Uh, you can let us know uh, over on our social medias on Twitter and Instagram, where we post about uh, new episodes and anything that we're up to. Um, and uh, you know, if you if you liked what you heard today and you want more content, go to Instagram, follow us at Sick Boy Podcast, or uh, just tune in every Monday, every Friday to get your sick boy fix. Yeah, and if you want to tell me how much of an idiot I am about epidemiology, uh, or if you've got cool stories like the ones we heard uh, from Mm. the one we heard from our patron today about the worms living in her stomach and coming out of her butthole, then uh, letters at sickboypodcast.com to do that. And if you want to be one of our wonderful, amazing guests on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and hit us up there. And if you uh, were greatly disappointed in the fact that we played Kenneth Copeland laughing three times in the preamble and pre-show before getting to Heidi Jan's conversation, um, the conversation with Heidi Jan's, uh, sorry, um, you can blame that on the co-producers of the show, which is Jeremy Saunders, Tiller McGilvery, Brian that, and Lauren Sankey, but primarily just Jer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, it was Jer. It was Jer's fault. And also, and also, he's the one who edits these episodes, the Feel Good Friday ones. So you can totally blame him for continuing to leave it in because there's no way he's cutting that any shorter than uh, it was. So apologies yeah. for that. Um, you Even can also again take a vote, and we want it to be shorter. Just to reiterate, you can definitely write uh, 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 write us at letters at sickboypodcast.com if you want to complain about that. Uh, alternatively, mm-hmm. you can complain to our manager, Jeff Lonis, who usually runs the ship, gives us some guidance, but apparently not enough guidance to keep things on track and, and not play those Kenneth Copeland tra- uh, tracks. And uh, the theme music for our Feel Good Friday episodes is Rich O'Coin. Uh, we love that guy. And, He's my new roommate. Uh, Taylor wants to add in one more thing. I just moved in with Rich. I just want to add that if you if you have a a thoughtful and um, well humored complaint about Jeremy uh, playing that sound way too many times, I give you my personal guarantee it will be read on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> and, and you can, you can, you can and, send it again if you forgot that email. You can send it to not going to read it at sickboypodcast.com. <laughs> And uh, you can send any of your fan art. If you were just sitting listening to this podcast and you were drawing pictures of us uh, talking, you can send any fan art. We usually get we get a ton of fan art. And if you want to uh, if you want to draw some fan art uh, like a lot of our listeners do, then you can send it to Brian at sickboypodcast.com. Yeah. And if you're uh, if you've been writing any um, any um, sexual fan fiction, um also send that to Brian at sickboypodcast.com because Brian loves nonfiction. Mm-hmm. That's his that's his jam. Uh all right, yeah. folks. And yeah, but you if can, you've you got any other experiences with uh the worm situation, especially Oof. if they're making Oof. you cough, make sure you send those stories along with photos, if applicable, to Brian at sickboypodcast.com. That is uh, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick War.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.